Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Well, praise God. Welcome back, Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I am Daryl Boucher. Another glorious, glorious day. Uh, Jesus is Lord. I don't know if you've heard or, you know, read the news today, but uh, uh, Jesus is still Lord. Praise God. And God is on the throne, and we are seated with him in heavenly places. And above any other headline, that should be the biggest one. Jesus is Lord of all. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He has reconciled all things back to him, but the things in heaven, the things in earth, the things under the earth, all things have been reconciled to the Lordship of Jesus. And we... As children of the Most High God, as the brethren of Jesus, are ministers of that reconciliation. Glory to God. And so we get to actually help people uh, get reconciled to God. We actually you know, to, to reconcile them back to Jesus' Lordship and uh, just His love, His mercy, His power, His strength, His resurrection power, praise God, and His life, and life more abundantly. So anyway, praise God, that's what we're doing today. Uh, and so I just want to just kind of equip you a little bit today. Uh, to do that, to do that very thing. We are taking over the world, we are changing the earth around us, and we are part of the kingdom that is uh, not made with human hands, and uh, we are uh, advancing, glory to God, in every way, shape, and form. Now, uh, today what I wanted to get into a little bit was um, just the, the subject of vision. I'd done, a, um, I'd done some podcasts uh, I'm not sure really when they're airing here, but uh, I'd, I'd done like a maybe a three or four part series on just finding vision, and uh, and I was talking with a good friend of mine the other day, and we got to talking about vision a little bit, and I brought up a subject, and he he just said, hey, he goes, you really need to do something on that, and it actually has to do with vision, but I didn't actually include this with the other one, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna just bring this one up because this has to do with positioning ourselves for vision, as far as actually um, you know kind of being in the right context. Now, the the other ones I was getting into was was really having to do with living from passion, finding our passion and all this. And I, and I really do believe that that vision has more to do with passion than anything else. Um vision is 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 you know in in the the business world today and in just the 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 um atmosphere, the the environment today uh, vision is talked a lot about when it comes to goal setting and uh, and you know having a five year plan or a ten year plan and there is nothing wrong with that. Okay, I I I really am a proponent of having plans. You know, God is a planner, right? He said, "I know the plans I have for you, good or not evil." Um, you know, it says uh, in 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 uh, Hebrews eleven, it says, "By faith Noah prepared an ark." So faith prepares things. Preparation is of God. Jesus said, "I go to prepare a place for you." You know, so there's preparation is of God. You know, God, even though the funny thing is that people, you know, we can get into these, oh, kind of, um, a little tangents every now and then where, where, where people will use these catchphrase words and, uh, and I don't know, they kind of get off in ditches with them. And I'm not, I'm not opposed to principles. I just don't like the, 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 the ditches that accompany principles sometimes and, uh, where people overemphasize certain things. Well, anyway, I remember quite a few years ago, uh, the, the term organic, you know, obviously with fruits and vegetables and stuff like that is a big deal, but people started using that just in, in the church and be like, Oh, I just, you know what? I just want it to be really organic. I just want it to be organic. 
organic. I just want something to come up naturally. And what they really, what they were saying was, of course, they didn't want it to be, um, you know, in a box in some religious formula. And that's great. I don't want things to be in a religious formula either. Uh, nobody does, uh, especially God. He doesn't like religious formulas. Uh, um, but you know, the, the, the implications of that term were always like, I just want it to be spontaneous. I don't want it to be planned at all. I just want it to be spontaneous. I don't want there to be a process. I don't want any preparation. I just want it to be spontaneous. If God's going to move, it's going to be spontaneous. Well, that's, that's number one. Number one, we have to understand that, that organic fruits and vegetables, they didn't grow on that shelf at the grocery store like that. There was a process that got them there, Right. So there was a process, even though it says organic on there, even though they were grown organically, you know, us getting it to the masses still takes a process, okay? Uh, number two, to think that God moves spontaneously, um, that's a really temporal term to attach to an eternal God. And, uh, and, and, and that would be to imply that he doesn't know what's about to happen. He's omniscient. He always knows what's about to happen, okay? Um, he doesn't have to even prepare the, for the future. So when we're talking about preparation and Jesus going, I go to prepare a place for you, that's not the same earthly definition. That's not God's definition, right? We have an earthly definition. God has an eternal definition. He doesn't prepare as if he as if he exists in linear time and be like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, here, let's prepare these things because one of these days, he's already seen all things from the end from the beginning, right? So, so you know, we have to really really begin to divorce uh, our mentality and the definitions of words and, and begin to divorce those things from God's eternal existence. And when he talks about, you know, the, the suddenlies of God, when people are like, oh, and suddenly this happened and suddenly that happened, it was suddenly to us, but it wasn't suddenly to God, right? I remember one time, you know, even when Rachel and I were, uh, when, when we were moving to Colorado, we had been praying about moving for about two years. God told us that we were going to be moving. We just didn't know where or when. And, uh, and we'd been praying it out, processing it out, you know, just, just really seeking God. And, um, and then I was planning on going back to the Midwest, do some ministry. And, uh, and I really felt like, and I told Rachel by the time, and then what she was going to, I drove out, she, she was going to fly out a couple weeks after that. And we were going to drive back together. And, um, and so she was going to spend like the last week or so there with me. And then we we're going to drive back together. And I just, I said, you know, I really feel like by the time we get back here, we're going to have some definites, but we kept, I mean, we were getting, what we were getting from the Holy Spirit at that time was, um, it's happening very soon. You're, you're moving soon. Right. And we're like, great, but we don't know where or when we have no idea where, and we have no idea when, right. But it's happening soon. That's what we, you know, at that point it'd been a couple of years. We hadn't told anybody about it because we didn't have any information to tell anybody about, you know? So it's not like, you know, and, and, you know, once in a while, Rachel would be like, well, you think we need to talk to, to so-and-so? So I'll go, no, I don't have a, I don't have a piece about that. And what are we going to tell them? We're moving. We just don't know where or when now suddenly. And I just, there's a, here's a little bit of wisdom for you. You know, if you don't have a lot of details, those lack of details will literally uh, many times allow other people's insecurity to be a part of your life. You don't need that. So I don't need somebody else's insecurity to be a part of my life. And there's things that God will tell me. He didn't tell them because they don't have the grace to walk that out. They have grace to walk out whatever they're walking out, but they don't have a grace to walk out what I'm walking out. So I'm, I'm walking this thing out with no information and I don't need somebody else's insecurity adding to that. And so unless I have a real peace or an unction from the Holy Spirit to talk to somebody about it, why would I? Uh, but anyway, I understand people, 
Yeah, this is kind of a side thought, but uh, people right now really think they are owed information. They they think that you owe them every bit of information that you can give them. That is a lie, okay? There's nowhere in the Bible that says that I owe people information. Now, I understand that for years I was I was literally in a big ditch where I was private about a lot of things when I could have just been more friendly and sociable and shared things with people. And praise God, I'm, I'm not in that ditch anymore. But it doesn't mean I go blabbing in my mouth either. Uh, you know, there is, you know, the, 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 the word says that, that, you know, foolishness is attracted to words, you know, as far as they're in the abundance of the words, there is no lack of foolishness nor of sin. And so I don't tell people a lot of things because number one, I don't owe that to them. And I, there's a lot of things the Lord talks to me about that. Number one, I mean, even when it comes to revelation stuff, uh, he'll tell me, you know what, don't share that with people. It's not time yet. You need to you need to 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 prepare that for the earth. You need to you know it's in my heart for a gestation period, and I'm actually praying those things out. And then sometimes years down the road, the Lord will say, "Hey, yeah, go ahead and, and share that." And uh, and I just okay, I'll share it when the Lord tells me to share it. But I understand there's a gestation period. He's not just wanting to tell me secrets so that you know I can be in the know. He just he wants people's hearts to be gestation periods, like wombs of the Holy Spirit, so that so that something can grow. So when it when it is is spoken into the earth, it can actually survive. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, th- there's other things like just details in your life. You don't owe that to people, even if they want to put pressure on you. Uh, people know me well enough not to even mess with all that because I am not going to tell them anything but what I feel like I'm supposed to tell them. So anyway, but the point of it is, is that we were we were praying into this thing, and uh, and so we we got back to Oregon about the end of July, and. Um, and so we had some direction on it. We, we really felt like we were supposed to move to Colorado. And uh, and so I said, okay, let's just pray about this for a week. And uh, we'll pray about it for a week, and we will get a we will we will nail down the where and the when. And so within a week, we had it. We were like, we we're gonna we we're gonna move to this part of Colorado, and we were gonna move on on October fourth. That was in two months. In two months. Now you understand. That's when we could start telling people. That was when we actually had information. But they were like, wow, that was so fast. It was not fast. We'd been praying out for two years. Now, to them, it might have looked like a suddenly. To them, it might have looked like everything happened very quickly. And yeah, we had to get packed quickly. Now, you understand, we had already been packing. We knew we were going to move. We started packing back in like February. We started packing. And so all the non-essentials that we have, which we have a lot. Uh, we had a lot of non-essentials. We were packing them up, and we had a little outbuilding, and we were just putting boxes out there and just store them. And we were just, we were packing things up, doing things. We were repainting walls in our house. We were, we were getting ready so that we knew when the time came, we would be ready. And, um, and we, you know, we, we left most of the house intact, the, the, what we were living with and everything else. We weren't surrounding ourselves with boxes or anything because we had that outbuilding. But at the same time, we were, we were preparing for something that we didn't know when or where was going to happen. And so when it finally, when we announced it to a lot of people, they're like, wow, that's really fast. Not to us. It was a suddenly to them, but it wasn't suddenly to us. And so this is what we have to understand. When, when, when people think about the suddenlies of God, it's never sudden to God, okay? It's never. It's not like God, you know, I'm putting this in a very temporal term, but it's not like God woke up today and go, here's what I think I'm going to do today. He doesn't just have some kind of harebrained notion. He's seen everything before the foundations of the world, okay? So... So when we even talk about things being organic, it's not like it's spontaneous to God. You know, God already knew this. He already saw this. He already knows what's going on. But somehow we we place value on things that honestly has no bearing with the, the kingdom of God. It doesn't even make sense with the kingdom of God. Uh, so... Um, 
but just 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 really uh, you know getting getting into understanding vision and passion and so so when people people talk about vision Right now, there there is uh, there is a, a lot of uh, podcasts you can listen to, uh, and and I'm not even I'm not even saying that they're not valuable. They are valuable. Uh, talking about getting your vision, getting getting you know uh, goals out there, getting you know things set, you know getting a five year, ten year plan. There's nothing wrong with any of that. I'm I'm very much in favor of people having vision, and and more so having passion about what they're doing. Uh, I would rather you have have passion um, than just a goal. I want you to have passion that fuels your goal. Okay, but um, but then you have a you have you have a um, a generation right now, and this is what I was speaking into in that other series was that we have a generation, and, and they're not just a just not a set age group, but there's a lot of people on this earth that have no idea um, how to get vision or how to get passion. And so they're just doing it in a way that are ju- it's just about goal setting. It becomes a formula about goal setting or or it becomes a, f- a formula about uh, achievement uh, where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, in, in 10 years I'm going to do this, in five years I'm going to do that. And there's nothing wrong with setting goals, nothing wrong with setting goals as far as how much you want to, you know, what you want your prayer life to look like <laughs> or how many books you want to read or, you know, personal growth or different things like that. That is great. I mean, I am totally in favor of that. In fact, I encourage it. I would much rather people have goals than sit and do nothing or or just sit and idly, you know, not, not press into self and personal growth with, with God. Um, but, uh, the, the point is, I don't want, our, our lives are not meant to be, to look like a corporation. Our lives were not meant to look like, you know, a board meeting where we have old business, new business, what we're doing next, what we're doing this, set these goals, get this budget, do this. Now, those are all, those are all necessary to run a business on the earth, but they're not, they're not a, a key ingredient to your heart. Okay. Those come from your brain. All those things that, that are listed in a board meeting are brain functions. Those are all mental functions. Those are not heart functions. Okay. Now, you know, like I said, in, in a in a, a board meeting, like for you know my ministry, we talk about vision. We talk about you know what we feel like the Lord's telling us to do, and da 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 da. So those are heart things. But we have to learn to engage with our heart. And so we have to if if we're going to position ourselves to. Um, not fall in the ditch of corporate vision, then we need to understand that there is a principle of godly vision. There is a principle of godly vision that can be on purpose fueled. And when people don't know what their vision is, or maybe they get stuck in a pattern of just doing works, where they're just reading these books and they're just you know taking these classes, or they're just you know doing another semester of school, or they're just doing this, or they're just doing that, and they think that by reading these books they're going to be different, or by taking these classes they're going to be different, or by getting this degree they're going to be different. That's wrong. You know what? Understand? There's nothing wrong with doing any of those things, but those things will not produce what's what's supposed to be coming out of your heart. And so we need to position our heart for vision. We need to position our heart. Vision is a heart thing. Vision is something that comes from our heart, not our head. And that's why I, I speak. I connect it so tightly with passion. Now, over in Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you want to say it, I, I don't get doctrinal about pronunciations of biblical. Um, things, words, because I think that we are pretty far removed from how the original language is and all that. So uh, some people get doctrinal about that. It's okay. If you want to be, that's fine. Uh, but here he says in, in uh, Habakkuk or Habakkuk or whatever, chapter two, uh, this is like I'd say the paramount, the big vision text, right? Uh, where he where he says, you know, write the vision, make it plain so they can run with it. And, um, and 
I love that. That's a great that's that's a great thing. We should be writing things down. We should literally be writing vision down. We should be writing what the Lord shows us down. And there's nothing this is biblical. This is scripture right here. Uh, but when we turn that into a corporation mantra instead of a heart thing, that's where we get it. that's where we, you know, are are running into the wrong wrong ditch, ditch on that. But I want you to see something here though. It's chapter chapter two verse one, and this is what most people when they when they are talking about vision they don't back up and read what what Habakkuk as a prophet of God said he was going to do to prepare himself to get the vision that God has for him. He says in verse one he says I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And, verse 2, the Lord said unto me, answered me, and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he, that, that he may run that reads it. Okay, so we're really big into writing the vision. Uh, but then, like I said, it can get really corporation-minded where it's about like, okay, what do I want to see happen in five years? What areas of growth do I want to see? And there's nothing wrong with, with self-evaluation and setting goals. Like I said, I'm not devaluing that at all. I just don't want to get into a ditch where we where we become corporation-minded instead of eternally-minded. Now, and, and to, to, to safeguard ourselves from that, we do verse 1. Verse 1 says, I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Now, verse 1, he says, I will stand upon my watch. He actually, he's using a, a an illustration of that day where, you know, many of the, the cities had, had uh, uh, for, like a, a, a watchtower, um, you know, uh, basically at, at some point uh, there was a, a gate. Uh, these were mostly were gated cities for protection and for different things. And so they had a big gate and they had a big wall that went around most all of the cities, sometimes around the whole city. But the, on, on the top of the wall was a watchtower. And that was where the watchman would go up and he would have an assigned time where he was supposed to go up and watch. And he would he would look from the wall and he would look out 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 of the city and he would look into the distance and he would see who was coming toward the city okay and he would watch and um and from that that from that vantage point you could see a long ways off so you could tell if there was an enemy coming or you could tell if there was like a caravan coming with supplies and with blessing or whatever and you could tell who was about to approach the doors and so the watchman would actually yell down to the what they called the porter and he was the guy who actually was at the door and so uh, if there was if there was you know a caravan of goods coming or if there was dignitaries coming or if there was somebody that they wanted or just just even you know citizens of the town coming or whatever uh the the watchman would look he would recognize what was going on then he would he would yell down to the porter and say to open the gate because you know somebody's coming in that's going to bless us but if there was an enemy coming then he would look out and it was the moment that he would recognize the enemy, he would yell to the captain of the guard and he would say, Hey, enemies coming, secure your post and or whatever they would say. And so so that the so that the, the soldiers then would be at high alert, they would get in position to you know, defend the city or attack or do whatever they were going to do. And so, um, but this was, this was the role, role of the watchman. And, and here this, this Habakkuk says, I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon the tower. He goes, there is some place on that watch. There's some place upon that tower that's designed for me. It's my post. He goes, I have a place to clock in and it's my post. That's where I set myself. I set myself not down in the city, 
I, you know, the watchman is up higher. I set myself at an elevated position and I begin to look and I begin to actually uh, uh, take in through my eyes. I begin to peer into the distance. I'm, you know, a watchman isn't standing there with just like a glazed look on his face, just, you know, listening to his, his iTunes and his ear pods, you know, just spacing out. No, a watchman is intently looking. He is surveying that land. He is looking with an eagle eye and he is like, he gets to know that land so well because he's been on that watch time after time, day after day, he's on that watch. He knows every tree. He knows every bush in the distance. He knows, he knows the, the outline of every mountain. He knows the landscape so well, so he can discern so far off if he sees somebody coming. He can discern it. See, there's a discernment that comes from the watch. There's a discernment that comes from that. And it's, it's something that it's coming from a, a long ways off, but he can discern it. And he knows his role with that. He can discern it so far off that he goes, oh, I can, I can make out whether that's, that's a convoy or a, or a caravan of camels um, or whether it's a, a, a bunch of troops. You know, I can, I can make out somebody's helmet from, you know, miles away. I can, I can look and I can see their helmet. And I'm so good that I can tell whether it's an enemy shape or not. You understand? He, this is a watchman. He to, to be a good watchman, you know, you're the guy. You are the guy that 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 can spot something so far off and recognize it. And you can prepare the city for blessing, or you can prepare the city so that they don't get damaged by the enemy. And so, um, and so here here Habakkuk's going. I'm going to stand my watch. I'm going to actually go up to where I'm supposed to be. This is not something that is extra. This is my watch. Notice what he says. I will stand upon my watch, and I will set me upon the tower. He's like, okay, I'm going to position my heart. I'm going to position my eyes. I'm going to sharpen my spiritual senses. I'm going to get in this place with God. And I'm going to, this is not, uh, like I said, some super spectacular place. This is just my daily post. This is where I'm meant to be. It's where I'm supposed to be. And I'm communing with God. And I'm compute, I'm commuting with things that right now look like they're a far away off, but that's where my vision is. And and he goes, and I will notice what he says, I will answer he goes, and he goes, um, and I will see what he will say unto me. He goes, I know what's gonna happen in this spot. When I begin looking into the distance, God's gonna speak to me here. That's what's gonna happen when I actually begin to affix my gaze. I'm going to take my eyes off of what's around me in the Cindy. I'm not going to be down. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be intertwining my mind and my, my senses with just what's happening every day with everybody's lives in my own life. I'm going to get up and I'm going to begin to set my attention and my eyes and my mind on higher thoughts and higher ways. And that's where he's going to speak with me. And he goes, he goes, and he goes, I will watch to see what he will say unto me. Isn't that interesting how he actually says his, that his spiritual eyes are what's going to determine what God says to him and not what he hears? I mean, that's an interesting thing. I won't even get in that right now, but that's so, so cool. He says, I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I, will, what I shall answer when I'm reproved. So he automatically knows when God speaks to me, the first thing I'm going to have to do is I'm going to change the way I think about something. I'm going to have to change. God doesn't change, but when his word comes in, it's actually try, his word is coming in, and his word is not looking for my agreement. His, his word is looking for my yieldedness. It's looking for me to submit because I, I carry the divine nature of God, but my mind right now doesn't think like God all the time, and so when he speaks to me, I literally have to just, just yield my mind quickly and, and reprove my mind and say, oh, Father, if that's what you're saying, then that's what I'm saying. If that's what you're seeing, that's what I'm seeing. If that's what you, if that's what you say, my my reality is, then that's what I say my reality is. And 
He goes, and then he said, the Lord says to me, write the vision. See, but but I, I'm just talking about positioning ourselves for that vision. It's not going to come from a corporate mentality. It's going to come from a heart position with the Lord. It's going to come from doing what I'm supposed to be doing with him. Get busy with what's in your hand. What do you have in your hand right now that you can steward from a higher place? You might say, well, I, you know, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have influence. I don't have this. Well, if you've got a job, then you have a position of, of, of jurisdiction. You know, if you're in a family, you have a position of jurisdiction. If you are living in a community anywhere on this planet, if you're in a, a town, a city, whatever, then you have a position of jurisdiction. You have a watch. You have a watch right there. And if you want to know what your what God has for you in, in vision, then you stand your watch. You get in that place where you begin to steward the life of God into your job, into your coworkers, into your environment, into your community, into your family. You know, and you begin to steward. You begin to look at those things, and you look at the far off, and then anything that the Lord begins to bring up to you, you begin to say, okay, how can I adjust my mind to think exactly like that? How can I adjust my thought to his thought? How can I how can I just be quick to let go of the lower thoughts and grab hold of those higher thoughts and say, okay, Father, whatever, what do you want to say today? What what are you saying today? What not what not what do I want today? But what do you say today is reality today? And that's where we stand our watch. And that and when we do that, not only do we protect uh, the, our jurisdiction from from the enemy. We also allow the blessing to flow into into our community and into that jurisdiction. But that's when we prepare our heart for the actual vision that God has for us. If if we want to have vision, if we want to find the passion, if we want to do these things, begin to take your place in prayer. Take your place in in just. I mean, I'm telling you, just just take. 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, and begin to position your heart and say, okay, I want to stand my watch over my city. I want to stand my watch over my family. I want to stand my watch. God, what are you saying today? What are you saying about this? Show me. Show me what you're saying. Show me what, what you want me to see. Show me the vision for my family. Show me the vision for my community. Show me the vision for, for, for the people who I work with every day. That's where our vision is hidden. Our vision is hidden within our ministry to the people around us. Our vision is hidden within our, 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 our watchman duties over the people around us. Our vision is magically hidden in those things so that when you begin to do those things, you'll begin to walk out your vision. I began to just to simply do simple things every day uh, that, that were just really coming naturally into me as I was praying and as I was reading and, and just, just growing in the things of God. The next thing I knew, I was walking out my call. Literally, it just like, I was walking it out. I didn't have to go and you know, conjure it up or anything, it literally overtook me. And that's what it's supposed to do. And I, 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 it's going to look different on everybody. I'm not saying it has to be, is there no pattern to it? But at the same time, this is not a striving mentality where you where you you get to sit down and write down a, a five-year goal for, for, you know, what God's called you to do and be. I have no idea. I have no idea what God's called me to do or be even tomorrow. But I can write down, I can write down goals that I have and I can, I can say, okay, Father, but for me to know my vision, for me to know how to clearly get to 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 what you want have to have for me, I gotta stand my watch, and I gotta be the watchman over my family, my job, my community, whatever it is. But take your watch, and as you do that, and and get do it so consistently and become so attentive that you know the landscape of that realm. You know the landscape of your prayer life. You know the landscape of the spiritual realm that you govern. You know the landscape. So you know, you know when the enemy sets foot on that territory five miles away, you know, you're like, wait, wait a minute, that ain't right. And so you can actually engage with the things of God in such a way that you can, you can prevent things from happening or you can allow blessing to come in. But 
vision begins where we where we actually stand upon our watch and we we get very adamant about doing what God's told us to do. Don't worry about the five year, ten year plan. Just focus on what you're doing today in ministering to people, in ministering to the Lord. And I tell you, your vision will overtake you. So Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for this. We thank you just for your plan, your ways, higher thoughts and higher ways, Lord God. And we just thank you right now, Father God, for this vision that you have for us, Lord God. It's not a corporate thing. It's not just based on organization and administration and and, and, and setting goals. Father God, even though those are valuable, Father God, we know our heart is actually filled with you. Our heart actually has the DNA of you. Our heart actually has already seen what you have for us, and it's simply wants to just let it out. And so, Father, just show us even today, how do we stand upon our watch? What's the first step? That may sound like totally foreign language. What's the first step in standing on upon our watch? What's the first person we need to pray for? What's the first thing we need to adjust our eyes to? What's the first thing we need to do to, to Father God, not make it some kind of a, 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 a supernatural, spectacular thing to stand upon the watch, but just make it a daily thing that we're doing in communion with you. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.